Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris are here with you for another week, and this week, Anthrax's Among the Living. How are you doing, bud? Uh, I am among the living. <laughs> I think that's apropos this week. Uh, have, did you have a good week? Uh, I did. How about yourself? Good, good. I, I, I can't complain. Um, before we uh, before we jump into our first thrash review, why don't you tell me a little bit about the stuff you were listening to this week? Well, uh, a lot came out this week. Um, I woke up on Friday morning. I checked my email, and uh, I had a slew of iTunes emails saying uh, all these things I had pre-ordered ha- had been released. So um, I was able to listen to quite a bit of it. Um, I, I had mentioned the the uh, Magnus Carlson's Heart Healer project last week, which uh, I find I got to listen to the whole album. Uh, really, really good stuff. Highly recommended. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The the roster of women that he lined up for this project are, are just phenomenal. And and I mean, if if you told me that just you know Annette Olsen and and you know uh, Battle Beast Nora Luimo were on this, I would be like on board just with those two. But the fact that you have uh, Adrian Cohen from Seven Spires and and all these other like wonderfully talented women. It's just a really well done piece of work. Um, you know, he definitely. Uh, I think he knew that when he when he put it out. And, and I say that because when you entitle something the Metal Opera, you have very big shoes to fill. And, and obviously, we going back in the archives, you can hear our episode on Avantages the Metal Opera. This is, uh, I guess, the second reincarnation of that, if you will. And uh, it, it, they did. They did a phenomenal job. It's it's top to bottom. Uh, there's not really a weak track on the disc. Yeah, I, I would expect this album to be, um, for me, like in in the top in the top number of albums come the end of the year when we do our, our year in review. Um, I also uh, the Japanese band Love Bites uh, released an EP called Glory Glory to the World. Uh, I got to listen to that. Really awesome. Um, this band is, I think, getting better and better every time they release something. Uh, it's an all female Japanese power metal band and um, just like incredibly catchy stuff. Um, so that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, the new Orden Ogan album came out, but I was not able to listen to uh, the entire thing just yet. Uh, that album's called Final Days, but that's out. Uh, Ronnie Atkins from uh, Pretty Maids released his uh, first solo album that came out as well this week. It's called One Shot. I've heard a number of songs from it, but I have not heard the whole thing just yet. Um, I believe you had mentioned that you enjoyed it quite a bit, so um, yeah, I'm it, looking it, forward it, to listening to it. There was something about the the, uh, and may, again, maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia because of uh, the health issues that Ronnie had been uh, kind of facing over the last couple of years. But just the 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 uh, the tone of the album, never mind the songwriting, which is excellent, but it's just something about the tone and the way he does his vocals on this album, which was really uplifting for, which is kind of interesting for like a melodic metal disc. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and I want to listen to it again. I, I only got to listen to it once. I heard the Ordnogan as well. And I thought that that was a little bit uh, unbalanced. I thought that there were some really, really phenomenal tracks and then some others that just didn't grab me as much as some of the older stuff did. But I need to spend some time with that as well. Uh, obviously, both bands that I had had an eye on, or I should say both discs, which I had an eye on uh, when I heard that they were coming out. But uh, the, the, the Ronnie Atkins disc definitely impressed me a little bit more. 
Yep. And then there was a couple of singles that uh, grabbed my attention. Bloodbound's got a new single from their upcoming album, uh, Creatures of the Dark Realm, and they released the title track for that. Um, I think from what I've heard so far, this is looking to be um, one of the better uh, Bloodbound albums. I feel like they're another band that they're getting better and better with each release. And uh, they put on a hell of a show at Prague Power. Um, I guess, what would that be? Three, four years ago now. Um, yeah, it was something like that. I actually I actually caught them twice on 70,000 tons. Now it's got to be, what, 14 or 15 months ago. And they were... Uh, they were good. I, I thought their show at, in Atlanta was better, but um, definitely a fun band to see live. And some of those uh, classic tracks like Moria just really hold up live. And and the last thing I wanted to mention is two uh, two cover songs that I found out about this week. Uh, one of them, band at the movies that we've mentioned many times, they released a uh, a Britney Spears cover of "You Drive Me Crazy," and um, it's really good. I mean, it's it's a catchy pop song that they meddled up and uh you get to hear uh linea vickstrom really uh really show her chops as a vocalist uh in this one um i think this is one of their songs that's almost entirely with um female vocals um but really really great uh rendition of the britney spears song and i also got a wind of steel panther who a couple of the band members uh, in, in their you know heyday were came out of being a Van Halen cover band and they released a uh, a studio recording of a cover of of the the classic beautiful girls and um i mean it sounds like it could be Van Halen i mean it it's it's i i it's it's not so much a cover as it is a tribute i mean it, it's really well done and i know steel panther gets a lot of flack for being it's the you, gimmick. Know, so, you know what i'm saying it's yeah like they, they get in, they, it's because of the gimmick because they don't need to be writing songs like that although i happen to enjoy them but you can see their chops on uh, on the cover just because you realize how phenomenal they are and probably the van halen they they could have been had they had they wrote the song themselves you know 35 years ago yeah, and Michael Starr has to be the closest thing to like vintage David Lee Roth that that exists these days. A hundred percent, and you know he's no spring chicken himself. I believe he's like fifty five years old, which is amazing that he's able to pull. Is that true? Like wow, that. I I didn't yeah. even realize. He's been, that. I mean, Good he's up. been around. For, I, I could be wrong about that. If you're Michael, if you're out there listening, I apologize if I got if I got your age wrong. But I, I believe he's fifty five, which is like amazing that you can do vocals like that at, at that point in your life. Well, if he emails us and says that he's really 39, I'm deferring it to you. Yeah, you, you or send the hate mail to me. I have no problem with that. Yeah, so that's 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 it for me. Just a, a handful of singles, a couple new good albums. Um, a, lot, a lot came came out uh, this past week, so it was uh, a, lot, a lot of good stuff to listen to. And I would point you to I um, I posted uh, another playlist on our uh, Spotify playlist page, and you'll find a number of those uh, bands and albums that I just mentioned on the uh, the newest volume, Volume Seven. Nice. We'll uh, we'll post some of the singles as well on on, on our other social media accounts. There's just two uh, two things I wanted to mention that I heard this week that really grabbed me. The first was a, a band out of Brazil called Icon of Sin. Uh, to no surprise, when, when something comes out on the Frontiers label, I immediately take notice. And it doesn't mean I'm going to like it, but it's something that I immediately gravitate towards just because every month they seem to be coming out with very good releases. Um, this band, Icon of Sin, I believe it's their first release. I 
had no idea what to expect. But from the second this started, I knew what it was. And I could tell it was like really, really deep Iron Maiden worship, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how well it's done. And then Rafael Mendez's vocals kicked in. If you closed your eyes, you would be convinced that this was Bruce Dickinson 30 years ago. I mean, this guy has got some set of pipes, and I look forward to the rest of the album. Uh, the music is good. Uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's traditional Iron Maiden-inspired metal, but this guy's vocals are phenomenal, and I cannot recommend his performance enough on the title track i'm definitely going to post that this week uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out I, I think you'd definitely enjoy it i i think you did recommend it to me i had not had a chance to listen to it um is that oh no i'm thinking of something else never mind but yeah i i definitely would like to uh give that a listen for yeah sure. you'll 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 definitely enjoy that and one other band that really blew me away uh, they're they're the front runner right now for for melodic death metal album of the year, uh, and it's a band called Silent Line. They're out of uh, Alberta, Canada, and uh, I had never heard of these guys. Apparently, they have three other albums uh, that have come out over the course of the last ten years or so. I had never heard of them, but they came out with a new album a couple of weeks ago called Death and Perspective. Uh, and again, it's one of those uh, they put the melodic in the melodic death metal, which is something I always look for phenomenal phenomenal stuff um from these guys i definitely uh look forward to hearing more of them uh, this particular album had about 13 tracks on it everyone is you know kind of uh you know it's your, your typical melodic metal flair you know those four to five minute tracks for the most part uh with a couple of longer epic tracks on there as well but these guys um the the melodies that these guys are doing with some of the best death metal vocals that i've heard in a long time so a shout out to those guys um definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of the genre and my understanding is that they were the last melodic death metal band trained by Stu Hart in the dungeon. So <laughs> That's exactly right. And I'm sure that had something to do with it as well, which is obviously the aggression and the anger is because they were probably stretched out by Stu in the basement. So we, we know that how that goes. So shout out to the Hart family if you guys are listening. Um, I am really excited to talk about this album, but not because uh, I, I think you loved it, because with some of the text messages that you sent me this week, um, I think we might have a little bit of a different take. Let's 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 go back in time and let's go back to March of 1987 when Anthrax released Among the Living. It came out on March 22nd, 1987, as I said. This was Anthrax's third album, and they're kind of considered in the big four of the of the American thrash bands. Uh, you got obviously Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax rounding out the four, with Anthrax kind of being the one New York's or uh, East Coast uh, band out of New York City. Was this your first real exposure to them? I know you had heard some tracks in the past, but I got the impression that you had never really done a deep dive into the band. No, definitely not. Um, the the one song I was very, very much familiar with was Madhouse, which was um, from the previous album, Spreading the Disease. And honestly, that was just because of Guitar Hero. Sure. And um, I really like that song. So Okay, so as a baseline, you, you knew the one song and you obviously uh, were into that, maybe just because you were playing along with it or whatever. Um, that that was kind of your, your barometer for what Anthrax was. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't think that I would be able to say I was really that familiar with any other of their 
songs. Okay. So I just, that was just kind of like my understanding of in general what Anthrax sounded like. Okay. So the re, and again, I think I mentioned this last time. This was their third album. Um, a lot of people would call this their magnum opus in the sense that even, even, even their principal songwriter and drummer, Charlie Benante, he said this was their, that this was kind of their signature album and really kind of helped them take off in terms of the pantheon of, of American thrash bands. And I mentioned those four bands before. Obviously there's a million other bands out there, Testament, Exodus, uh, Death Angel, all these great thrash bands that are, that are still around today and doing, doing wonders in the genre, but they never really got the notoriety that those other four bands got. And, and just for me, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I always looked at it as like Metallica was like the commercial band. That was like the thrash band that people who, uh, you know, weren't really into metal kind of gravitated towards. And then you had Slayer who had like this evil vibe to it. Not that they were an evil band. It's, you know, it's all part of the gimmick or what have you, but you know, they, they wrote about Satan and, and, you know, rain and blood and all that stuff. Uh, it was kind of their darker gimmick that they had. Then you had Megadeth who I thought were really kind of like the, the, uh, the maestros of, of the genre with just the absolute shredding guitars and the, and the, and the, and the powerful drums behind it, either Gar Samuelson or Nick Menza, you know, later on, just, uh, you know, really just like virtuosos in the genre. And then you have Anthrax, which is, in my opinion, was kind of more of just like the fun thrash band. Uh, not that they didn't write about serious stuff in their lyrics, but they just um, something about the, the the songs that they wrote. They were almost more fun or almost like punk like in their approach. It was just kind of like a you know, a, a, a social commentary, but not as serious as, as, as some of these other bands. Would you agree with that based on what you heard? Or is that, uh, am I simplifying it too much? No, I thought so. I, I really got a, a punk rock vibe from this album quite a bit, actually. Um, like a really 80s, um, just kind of like a hardcore punk with thrashy guitars. That was kind of what I took from it. Um yeah, I, I would agree with what you said about the, the other bands in, in the big four. Uh, Slayer's another one that I'm not super familiar with. Again, like Raining Blood is kind of like my barometer for what Slayer is all about, but I am a huge fan of, of Megadeth. Uh, they would be my favorite of the four, um, followed by Metallica, who, um, you know, I think the 80s Metallica albums are phenomenal, of course, but uh, I think Megadeth has been better um like beyond the 80s i think that they've been held up consistent definitely and and, and uh, just uh, i'll put a little spoiler out there we had a request for some megadeth so we will be getting to that in the near future so um i look forward to that that'll be one of the next thrash discs uh, that we do and you know you mentioned slayer if you never if you've never heard them i think that we should do a deep dive into them as well just because of uh how popular they are even to this day um even though they're no longer really active yeah that'd, that'd be great um, so just to set the stage or what have you, as I said, this was their, their third album. They, they, they really kind of took off from here. Um, I, I think I should share a story as to kind of how I first heard of the band, just because it's it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know that I've ever told you this, so this, 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 this should be interesting. And if I have told you, I don't know that most people know this, so I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll pretend like I haven't That's heard it That's good. I, I, I appreciate that. I think it'll go a lot better that way. Um, when I was in law school, it was my first year of law school. I'm going back to 2004, 2005. You went uh, to law school? 
That well, yeah, and I believe you did for a semester as well. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, uh, but no, that's I that's, don't. that's a story for another day, and it's probably something you wish you didn't you didn't remember. But when I was in law school, my first year, um, I was active in in a lot of different uh, organizations on campus and stuff like that. And the reason I bring this up is the president of the student body or whatever it was called in law school uh, was a guy by the name of Ken Kushner. And um, I happened to get to know the guy just because of we were working together on a bunch of like internal student affairs things and whatnot. And uh, towards the second semester, once everyone was kind of really ingratiating themselves into the school and you really got to know people, uh, people, I guess, kind of knew me as the guy that listened to metal in the library when I was, you know, trying to study for, for, for my finals and whatnot. And somebody had said to me, and I, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had said to me, did you know that Ken Kushner was in anthrax? I said, what the hell are you talking about? Um, I did a little bit of research and it turns out that he was like their first real bass player. They had some other guy that was in the band uh, prior to him. But this guy, who was a friend of mine, wound up being their first real bass player prior to the release of their first album. He wasn't on this disc, wasn't on any of their discs. But yeah, this guy that I, I happen to know happens to be their first bass player. So it is a really, really small world. And, and when you uh, when we get into the review of this album, I, I don't, Kenny, don't hold it against me because uh, you know Chris doesn't know the affiliation that's there. Yeah, I'm going to have to probably change some of the words that I was yeah. going to use in this review. <laughs> no, Actually, no. No, no, I'd never heard that story. That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it was it was, uh, it was was really interesting. And one of my regrets is I never had a chance to really talk to him about it much. And obviously, we, last, we lost touch um, after 2005. But it was because of that connection that I wound up kind of getting their best of uh, that, that had come out. It was like a two-disc set in and around that time. I don't remember if it was late 2005 or, or something like that. But that was my first kind of foray into this band because to that point, much like you, I, I I was a huge Metallica fan in the 90s and a huge Megadeth fan in the 2000s. And this was obviously the natural progression. So I uh, I picked up this best of and, and then I obviously have gone back and listened to a lot of the stuff since then. When you listen to this disc, what are your immediate thoughts? Uh, I, I found it to be kind of repetitive and derivative and... Like I was just waiting for some melodies and it just never came. And maybe it was just, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't go into it expecting what I was going to end up getting. Cause I had kind of Megadeth and Metallica as my, you know, measuring stick for thrash metal. But this is to me, like I, I didn't really find that it was um, in the same league as, as those two bands personally. Um, it's, interesting because like i found myself tapping my foot to the to the like the drumming and and like musically i thought that musically it was good like um but it just nothing it just never clicked for me it was it was just kind of it was kind of boring to me like i, I guess would be the best way to put it like like you had mentioned when we discussed vanishing point about how um you felt like that album like a lot of the songs were kind of in the same vein and it didn't there wasn't as much like a, a lot of departures from that kind of classic sound and and that's exactly how i felt listening to this like it felt like all the songs were basically the same um yeah i i think i i, I can totally appreciate that and and it's interesting because i definitely think it has a def a different feel from madhouse which you obviously had heard before <laughs> 
what I'll say is this. I, one of the things that I love about this band is their ability to almost change pace on a dime where they'll be playing this really, really, really heavy riff. And then almost like flipping a light switch, it just slows down. They go into either a different, you know, a different part of the song and then it speeds up again. And it's the pacing that I just, I really, really like about this disc. Um, Things like that, that other bands really weren't doing so much. I mean, Slayer kind of has one speed and, and Megadeth, again, being the aficionados they are, they do this a little bit more, but the, it's just the, the the pacing of the album was something I did enjoy. And, and you talked about your, 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 your foot tapping and stuff like that. I think, again, it goes back to Charlie's drums, which are just... Uh, he's one of the most underrated drummers in all of thrash, maybe all of metal. Um, and, and his, you know, re, you know, I've actually heard podcasts with him where he talks about his uh, first foray into music. The guy was a big Beatles fan, believe it or not. So like he, he this even this type of music was kind of a departure for somebody like him. Uh, you know, being a big Beatles fan, you think maybe you would have learned how to write a melody because <laughs> I don't know. Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote a couple of good melodies in their time as songwriters for the Beatles, so uh, maybe it didn't translate on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate this. Um, I, I would joke, I joked with you through some messages. I said, um, like, I'm, I'm mad at you for making me listen to this album. Like, I, I like to, I like to kind of. Uh, <laughs> you know, be a little bit dramatic. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like, I didn't really like it either, I guess. Like it was just like, so like right down the middle for me. Um, like it was interesting. I, I got to like read up on, um, what some of the songs were based on. Like I am the law it was about judge dread, which was funny because it just made me think of, of Brian going, I am the law. <laughs> So I was thinking of Judge Dredd before I even knew that. And the, the song, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, NFL, is about uh, oh, John, John Belushi. If you can't say that, then you're obviously – I mean, you're not even qualified to grade the album. Well, then then I guess my, my zero will, uh, <laughs> will, will, won't count. Um, Skeleton in the Closet is based on uh, Stephen King. Um it's just it's cool that they have like all these different themes and stuff but yeah i think they're very well read and i think that they're again a lot of this is kind of a social commentary of the time um you know i'll I'll tell you a song like one world if you listen to the lyrics you want to talk about a a a set of lyrics that are still on point and hold up today check that out i think it's actually one of the most underrated tracks on the disc and it's not something that people talk about but it's one of my favorite tracks on the disc not my not my not pick of the week but definitely something that i love um and something that I kind of didn't even realize how much I liked that particular track. Um, Indians I had always been kind of my first love on the disc, uh, just because there was something about that tune I loved. But if I'm going to pick my track of the week, I'm actually going with NFL just because it was the one that I found myself singing all week long as it was kind of stuck in my head. So a tribute to John Belushi there. I'm going to go with NFL as my pick of the week. I 
assume your children weren't in the car while you were singing the words to that. No, that they, they they definitely weren't. This is, but I also knew what it was, so I wasn't good. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going to play that for them. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. As I said, the pacing on the album is 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 what really drew me into it. But you know, we talked about the punk influences. There are definitely also rap influences on the album, especially with some of the background vocals. There's funk influences with, with some of uh, Charlie Bell's bass lines. It's they, they draw upon a lot. It's just that the songs themselves aren't particularly memorable or crafted in such a way where uh, you know you 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 find yourself intrigued by 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 the next track, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think maybe that all those influences kind of combining almost made it like. Like there was just like too much going on and it, it, it didn't feel focused. I don't know. I, I wish I, I was really looking forward to this. And I, uh, you know, the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, you know, I got a, like a feel for it. And I was just waiting for that, that feeling. I listened to this album every day this week. Um, and it just, it just never clicked for me the way that like Killers did. If we're going to like kind of compare it to maybe a, a little bit of an older album that where you know the production isn't great and um you know sometimes it just takes you know you have to listen to it a few times to to let it kind of sink in and for the i just for me i was like i I feel like if i can't after five listens in a row like not latch on then maybe it's kind of a lost cause enough time you know what i'm saying it wasn't like you listened to it twice and said i'm done I'll tell you. I'll tell you this, and I come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. As I said to you, I picked up their best of album fifteen, sixteen years ago. At this point, when I I, I listened to the hits, and I always kind of had a thing for the hits, although I think their sound really evolved over time, and I'll get to that shortly. But for me, what really made me a fan of the band, and I'm not a huge fan, but what really kind of hooked me into the band was seeing them live. I saw them with. Ironically enough, Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax opened for both bands at the Nassau Coliseum here on Long Island. And what I noticed about the band that day is what really stuck out to me was Joey Belladonna's vocals. And maybe he didn't have the mileage on his lungs that some of the other guys did, but he was so, so good as a front man, even... I guess this was maybe six, seven, eight years ago when I saw them. His vocals were so good, and his ability to kind of captivate that audience playing some of these songs was blew me away. And that's kind of what made me really go deeper into the back catalog with some of their stuff because I thought he was just such a good front man. And he's different from uh, you know some of these other guys because he's actually more of like a higher pitch front man, and you could almost hear him doing like a power metal album or something like that because of just the way his the way he, he carries his vocals. And, and one other little tidbit, he does something that I am just a sucker for. He's one of those guys that runs around on stage with the short microphone stand. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, where it looks like it's about two feet long and the microphone kind of just attaches on top and he's running around with this thing. And it's just like, it's really a sight to behold. Have you ever seen, you know what I'm talking about? Or am I like completely out of left field here? No, no, I know what you're talking about. So he's running around with this thing, and he was doing it in 1987, and he was doing it in 2007, and he's still doing it now. And it's, I, I, I think I'm just a big Joey Belladonna fan. So I I was able to digest a lot of the deeper cuts. I think maybe a little bit more than you did. Um, Seeing them live was was quite the experience. And I have to be honest, I've seen Megadeth uh, plenty of times. That was my only time seeing Slayer, but that particular night, Anthrax stole the show for me, and I it, they were the bar by which I kind of set measured everything else up against, and they were they were the band of the night. And again, maybe it was an off night for the other two guys, but uh, 
fantastic live band if if you never if you've never had a chance to see them. Now, uh, chat me up if I may steal a, a line from Conrad Thompson. <laughs> um, so Joey had left the band for what about twenty years? Yeah, um, and, and that was the and that was the interesting thing though because I obviously had heard some of this old music, but he left for for quite a while. And that's one of the other things I wanted to discuss because I don't know that we're going to be doing another one of their albums anytime soon. But, you know, a a singer that I know we both thoroughly enjoy, John Bush, actually took over vocal duties after his original stay in Armored Saint, where he he, he recorded two albums with the band. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to listen to an album like, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Sound of White Noise, even though it's definitely anthrax it sounds very very different from this and a lot of people would say it's a much stronger album in terms of the songwriting less thrashy more straight up metal but better songwriting i think i'd be very curious to hear your thoughts on that plus i happen to know that you're you're a pretty big john bush fan just from the you know your exposure through uh armored saint yeah i love bush um <laughs> that's very mature uh, <laughs> yeah i love well i'm a big fan of armored saint and um yeah, I would be curious to hear what um, maybe a, a more mature sounding Anthrax with John Bush singing w- would uh, would sound like. Yeah, um, that's that- going to be your homework for the week. Obviously, it's not going to be our album for next week, and I look forward to uh, hearing what you have to say about that in a little bit. But Sound of White Noise, it came out in 1993, but the sound of that album, a mere six years after Among the Living, it's like night and day. And I, I think that when you add in uh, a vocalist who you who you know and who you enjoy, and you add it to a little bit more mature songwriting. I'm really curious to uh, hear what you think about that. So even if it's only one listen, give it a listen and report back next week. I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Okay. Now, are you going to talk about your uncle Eddie, who produced this album? Oh or? yeah, Eddie Kramer, the uh, the famed <laughs> producer. I I, I I I I forgot to even mention that Uncle Eddie. Shout out. Uh, no, no, uh, not not my uncle. No relation, but uh, obviously a very very accomplished uh, producer in his own right. Uh, he, he's been on. Uh, I mean, he's been going back to the '60s. He's been doing it. Uh, you know, with with engineering Beatles tunes, and I'm pretty sure that's what the connection here is. As I mentioned earlier. Uh, Charlie Bonanti was a big Beatles fan. And I think that getting Eddie Kramer to come on and do some of these, um, you know, these anthrax records, including among the living, uh, was, was a a real treat for him. But, uh, you know, Kramer has been doing, I mean, he's done, if I'm not mistaken, Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. I mean, you're talking about one of, if not the most accomplished producer of all time, at least he's in the conversation. So, uh, it's kind of interesting that a guy with with his notoriety and chops would release an album which you do not enjoy at all. You'd think it would be a little bit more mainstream in that sense, if that makes if that if that makes sense. Well, uh, you you can mention it to him when you have Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> later in the year. I'll make sure to. In fact, you, I'll I'll invite you as well, and you can say it to his face. Oh um, boy! With, with do you have a standout track on this? I mean, I know it's kind of like normally I ask that question, and it's kind of choosing between a, a bunch of tracks that you love. In this case, th- does any track stand out to you? Because you have to pick one. What, what should people listen to this week? I debated not picking anything. But... I, had a, I had a feeling that might be the case. Actually, the 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 song that, um, like, at as I'm looking at the track list and I read the songs, the one that pops back into my head is "Caught in a Mosh." So sure. I'm gonna go with that. Um, I think it has the most memorable chorus. Of the 
nine tracks that I listened to. Um, and I like, I really like the bridge that goes into the chorus. So. Yeah, that's that's probably what I would go would go with. I mean, I definitely um, understand the affinity for NFL. Also, uh, I thought that was like I thought that was really punky. Like that was a it really is. it definitely is. It, it, it almost almost like those early Iron Maiden tracks in a way were kind of like that late punk movement. Which yeah, again, but even I... even vocally, where like instead of singing, it was almost like more of a screaming, not like a death vocal, but just like screaming the words. Um, yeah, that I, it was. In, that was an interesting track as well. But yeah, I would go with uh, with Caught in a Mosh if I if I was going to pick one. All right, very good. Uh, we'll look forward to that again. We'll post that as well. Um, you know, this album did receive relatively high praise. Uh, you know, not just by the band, but it, it charted at number sixty two on the Billboard charts and even higher uh, in Finland, in the UK, in Germany, and, and elsewhere. Uh, certified gold in 1990. It sold over now 500,000 copies. Uh, it was a mainstay on MTV during the time. I, I believe it had a couple of videos that were featured, um, you know, on on MTV. And, and to your point, uh, Namash was ranked the number 29 greatest metal song of all time by VH1. Consider the source. I I I, I, I will admit, but, you know, the, this, the 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 album did receive kind of high praise. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they actually played the entire thing live uh, not so long ago on one of their most recent tours because, you know, that seems to be the thing to do nowadays. Well, I'm, I'm sure you missed that tour. Well, yeah, I was uh, I, I was asleep that week. Um, <laughs> I uh, I if you think about the time period that this was released, um, you know, metal is pretty much really hitting its stride in the U S but I mean, a lot of what you're getting on the radio is a lot of this hair metal, glam metal type stuff. And, you know, as far as like, like really like heavy metal bands go, like, you know, American bands, you you don't really have too much out there at the time outside of the big four. Um, So again, maybe part of the reason this was a little bit disappointing for me is that I look at this time period and, you know, Megadeth is releasing Peace Cells right around the same time. Uh, Metallica, this is like in between Master of Puppets and uh, uh, and uh, and Justice for All. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, like, well, if, if those albums are any indication, then this is going to be like a, a real smash hit for me. And um, again, it comes down to like, it just doesn't have like those the the melodic hooks that I really enjoy about Metallica and Megadeth, uh, especially during that time. Um, and, and I thought also like the production was a little bit flat also. Uh, and maybe that was uh, like done on purpose. Cause that was the sound they were going for, but like it just, it just never came together for me in all honesty. Um, I mean, I, again, I didn't, I didn't really hate it. I didn't think it, it was bad. I didn't think it sucked, but um, it, it just, I don't know. Like, I, I think 
all I can do is give this like a 5.0. Like it's just dead center, middle of the road kind of stuff for me. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, you mentioned the production. And again, this goes back to uh, Eddie Kramer. They apparently were like in, in, a, in a heated debate with him because the first mix of the album was not what the band wanted. It was too... Um, over the top and, 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 and bombastic. I think they were going for a much flatter sound, which might be kind of the production issues that you're talking about. Right. It was probably like, he probably made it like super polished sound. Yeah. 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 And and apparently that's not what the band wanted. They wanted the shitty production that you heard. No, it's, it's, it's funny because they, they, they they, succeeded. They succeeded. They they succeeded. And they, you know, I'll give you a quote. They basically, you know, Pyromania is like the biggest album at this time. And it goes back to the kind of metal that was you were hearing at the time, you know, Death Leopard's Pyromania. You can, I can't imagine this album having that kind of production. And apparently the first go round, that's what it sounded like. But they were looking for something that was really like looking to quote, rip your head off. Pyromania is not going to do that for, for, you know, and that's got some great songs too. And it would actually make for a really good discussion if we did some Death Leopard, but it's 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 obviously a very different sound than what these guys were going for. And even if you watch some of the videos, and like I said, there's a bunch of videos from this album, a, a video like Indians, it's just, they're looking for something raw. They're looking for something that's unpolished. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear what the album would have sounded like with that like bombastic over-the-top production, because I feel like it would have made it for a really interesting experience, but something that we haven't had a chance to hear. So, you know, if somebody has uh, demos or, or, or something like that, I, I send them my way because I really would like to hear it. For me, I think I completely understand why you gave it a five. I, I think I have a little bit more of a love for the band than you do. It's a seven for me. It's a good album. It's nothing uh, It's nothing that I, you know, would rave about. But, I'm cu- like I said, I'm curious to hear you listen to Sound of White Noise and just see if it's a, a, a contrast for you because I think you're going to have a deeper appreciation for that album. Yeah, I would um I would just ask that you uh remind me on uh Monday and I will definitely add that to my rotation. Um d- did you happen to listen to the the version of the album that had the bonus tracks cuz I'm looking at Wikipedia and it says it says that there was some alternate takes. I was wondering if there was any like major difference in the alternate takes. Yeah, they so they they do they have three different alternate takes. It's Indians, One World, and Imitation of Life. Now I, I could be wrong about this because I, I did not listen to them this week, but based on what I remember, I think it was like a different solo. I, I don't think it was anything too different and it doesn't have that mix that 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 original mix that we were talking about um i think it's more of just the way that the songs were a little bit constructed in the studio um but definitely something that i can go back and listen to um but i did not listen to it this week i was really focusing on just the the nine tracks yeah yeah same here so uh we'll put a bow on anthrax uh again shout out to uh kenny kushner and eddie kramer and uh with that, I believe it is your turn to pick an album for next week. So uh, just to set the schedule, you'll you'll pick something for the 22nd. I've got something in mind for the 29th. And then it's back to you, the fans, uh, on April the 5th when we when we do our next uh, do our next request album. Yeah, and actually we have something that um, I think is going to be pretty cool for that that fan request week that we've discussed internally yeah. and. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit different than what we've done in the past, but um, it actually will uh, it'll it'll cover uh, multiple requests that we've received, which is exciting, and um, I think it'll be really cool. I- I'm looking yeah, forward I'm looking to forward it. to that as well. It's uh, it's definitely going to take some time, uh, and I'll leave it at that. 
it's it's more than just an album. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. But it's I, I think that it's going to cover a couple of things that we've gotten in, and uh, I'm definitely definitely looking forward to that as well. Uh, it'll be a nice tribute to to a band that um, let's just say hasn't done anything in a while and probably will never do anything again. Uh, yeah, sadly, that's probably true. Um, w- with that, what, what do you have for next week? I'm, I'm curious because, you know, we don't discuss this. So to me, it's always a surprise. Well, it, it shouldn't be because uh, I made a little bit of a, a comment uh, on somebody, uh, a, a friend of ours, Michael Johnson's Facebook. Um, and I, I wasn't 100% sure if you were going to see it, but you replied to it. So this shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. But um, I, uh, I was thinking to myself, well, we've done what 20 21 episodes now this is episode 22 we've gone 22 episodes and we have not discussed Stradivarius and I and I know you also are a huge fan of Stradivarius uh they were one of the first uh heavy metal bands or or first power metal bands that we discovered when we first started listening to the genre in the 90s um this for me was kind of like my introduction my first love uh for the band and and it's the 1995 uh release fourth dimension which um in april will be celebrating its 26th anniversary i believe yeah Um, i can't believe it's that old because uh, when we first started hearing that album i mean it was like relatively new and here we are all these years later and now we're i mean at the time if you said we were doing a podcast episode on fourth dimension I think the, the, the only response would have been, what the hell's a podcast? You know what I'm saying? So it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, that's a great pick. I, I, that is a band. I, I, I'll just say this. It's a band that holds a dear space in my heart, and it's a band that I never listened to. If probably just because I listen, I used to listen to their stuff more than anybody else, arguably. So I, I, I cannot tell you the last time I listened to Fourth Dimension straight through heard of, uh, obviously certain tracks here and there you know popping up on shuffle or you know different playlists and stuff like that but i have not revisited that album in it's got to be more than a 10 10 or 12 years yeah it's it it's kind of, it's interesting because you know this is only stradivarius's fourth album and they would go on to make many many more um and this is kind of like right in the heyday of, you know, I think Timo Tolki is hitting his stride as, as a songwriter. And um, I, I have, I think this is, this is probably going to be one of our longer episodes just because there's going to be a lot of stories and anecdotes and, and, and lots of fun stuff. And, and this really takes me back to, to the high school years. And I, I have uh, so much, so much love for this album. I'm really looking forward to, to discussing it. Um, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds about it now, but um, I, 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 I'm just glad that uh, the band decided to uh, point out, you know, via social media that the anniversary was, was coming soon. And that's kind of what um, rang the bell for me. And Michael Johnson kind of reposted it on his Facebook. And it just, the more I looked at it, the more it made sense to me. Like, Oh, this is, this is definitely the next album I'd like to, to talk about and just goes to show you that like i i don't really have uh, a list of albums that are planned it's just kind of like a, a mishmash of things floating in my head and then i sometimes wait for the the metal gods to send me a sign and usually it's 
via social media. So, um, and in this case, it was via distant skies. So they did it. They did a great job. Um, you know, this, 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 I'm looking forward to this. This is a, 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 it'll, it'll be a deep dive into an album that we both hold near and dear. Um, and I, quite frankly, I'm looking forward to seeing how it holds up. I know certain songs to this day are, remain some of my favorite power metal songs of, of all time. Um, there's certain tracks on this album that if I never listened to again, I probably wouldn't complain. Uh, but 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 I look forward to just digesting the whole thing and really taking a deep dive because I, again, I haven't. It's been a long time since I've listened to it, so I think that's a great choice. Uh, I, I've got a couple of things in mind. I have to narrow it down, and, and maybe the same metal gods will speak to me as well um, for the following week, and then we'll get into uh, the surprise we have for the beginning of April. So um, I always that, recommend if you need to talk to the metal gods, just look and talk to your hands. It worked for the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I'll look up and I'll probably start shaking. But um, looking forward to it. I hope uh, I hope you have a good week. And uh, next week we'll bring you some fourth dimension. Yes, I, I would imagine that I will probably rate it higher than five I, I I I think that that is a, a fair fair guess without even listening to it. I. Uh, I it's it's listen the reality is this you can't love them all and if we do that would get pretty boring so i'm sure there's only going to be a a, a time where you're going to recommend something which i'm going to rip to shreds and honestly now i'm going to make it my goal to just find albums that you hate because i think that's more entertaining than watching us just uh have a love fest each and every week so yeah well i mean i don't mind listening to things i don't like because i feel like i am sometimes coming up with more creative one-liners about things that i dislike it's easier to hate something than to like something so um yeah i I mean i'm down for anything like all right so we're gonna call an audible we'll do some mayhem next week and we'll really see how you feel about some uh, norwegian black metal and we'll 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 do that okay sounds good sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh it's coming don't worry man in due time i i I assure you it it is coming and uh it is going to be epic uh but until then uh we hope you enjoyed uh anthrax leave us a review and we uh if you if you like what you're hearing and also uh Obviously, um, give us a shout if there's anything that you want to hear us cover. Uh, We look forward to requests from all different genres. So bring them on, and we will uh, be back next week with some Stradivarius. I just want to say one Uh, last thing. I hope that this pandemic is coming to an end and that we can be caught in a mosh sometime soon. It's it's only a matter of time, and, and we can only hope that Anthrax is the first show you see live. And I think that you're probably so desperate that you would go see an Anthrax show if there was one in the area. I would see an Anthrax cover band just to go to a live show. <laughs> Amen, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Rock, 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 rock,